and welcome to episode number 61. No. 60? Mm-hmm. No. 63? Mm-hmm. No, it's 62, Ross. I've screwed this up six ways to Sunday. For like weeks. It's unbelievable. The only time I realize it is when I post it that I totally screwed it up yet again. Yeah. Well, I'm going to vow. I'm going to make an end-of-year resolution Don't not do it. to no. screw it up again. Don't. But only through 2019. Oh, okay. I got like two weeks. All right. Yeah, think I can do it. To, maybe. <laughs> I make no vows going into New Year's. I never do resolutions. They're pointless. So you make a resolution not to do a resolution. Right. Right. Well, which, in fact, is now you t- actually doing a resolution. No. It's me <laughs> stating I will not do a resolution, and I will live up to that by not doing it. There you go. <laughs> we could go in circles. And we probably we will. And there's a lot to get to this week on episode, yes, 62 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. That man you hear on the other uh, on the other end of the line, that's Russ Cohen. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at Sportsology. You can check out his website, Sportsology.com. You can read him. You can uh, hear him. He's all over the place. And uh, he joins us every week on the Stick to Hockey podcast. Russ, it's been an interesting not only week in the NHL, but a couple of weeks. And yeah. we kind of got to get arms around this thing, don't we? I mean, we'll try. I mean, it's hard. Nobody really can. Yeah, and and another, uh, I guess, for lack of a better term, a domino falls yesterday, and just a day after Gary Bettman's four-point plan, if you will, um, and we're told that what happened yesterday with Jim Montgomery and the Dallas Stars um, was going to happen regardless of what happened the day prior with Bettman, um, but it, there's so much unknown in regards to the dismissal of of Jim Montgomery, that that's becoming the story unto itself. All while I picked Jim Montgomery to win the Jack Adams this year. Well, clearly <laughs> you, yes, clearly you were wrong, and clearly you doubled down on what the Jack Adams is because the Jack Adams gets guys fired anyhow, and now you doubled down on that. So you I, know, it's funny because I, I did a Peter Laviolette show years ago, and we committed to this whole season and we scheduled out all these dates and three games into the season they fired him after one show <laughs> no i mean that's it's definitely you i mean i i went to about three i want to say three nhl awards maybe four and covered them and a few times in toronto once in vegas and bobby francis won it the one year and like of course he gets fired the next year and that's when i started cluing into like you don't really want to get this award you really don't <laughs> It's the anti-award. It really is. But getting back um, to, to Montgomery. So he had a morning briefing. He, he stated who the goaltender was going to be. He was joking around with, with the media. The only thing we found out in, through the Jim Nill press conference was that it was nothing that happened with players past or present and seemingly nothing on the ice or in the locker room. So other than that, we've had zero transparency with this. So – Everybody's going to speculate. I'm not going to, but there's no way of knowing what he did. But Jim Nill said in the press conference he's a great coach. So clearly it had nothing to do with how he coaches. So it doesn't really follow the exact thing of what's going on with everything else. It's just something else he did was now deemed appalling and got him terminated. Yeah, I mean, that's the weird thing because, you know, and the 
he nil didn't even let the players know what the unprofessional quote unprofessional conduct was. Let me right. read this quote because this is what one of the quotes from Jim Nil yesterday. He said the Dallas Stars expect all of our employees to act with integrity and exhibit professional behavior while working for and representing our organization. This decision was made due to unprofessional conduct inconsistent with the core values and beliefs of the Dallas Stars and the National Hockey League. He said that he was tipped off to something uh, by a phone call that weekend, that's something that happened. They did their investigation. No suspension, no warning, no nothing. Come Tuesday, he's out the door. Team was turning it around and around. The players all seemingly liked him. Mm-hmm. This is just like one of the shockers of all shockers. And by giving no details, he is actually, I think, doing a disservice to Jim Montgomery. Unless we find out some, you know, we're going to find well, out what it we is. We don't know. Like, yeah, we, it's hard to say that. Like, we don't know. But in in a in now in a culture that we should be hearing about what these things are, we're not. So my conclusion is it's lawyer based, and the lawyers have put a gag order on this. Yeah, and and that's probably to negotiate the separation agreement, right? I.e., money because he did have another year on his contract right. beyond this one. Um, and, and I know there's a lot of speculation out there. There was an interview that he did last week. Um, I guess in Dallas, uh, it's called Monty with Monty or something like that. I guess that's the host's name. And it was, it was, you know, it was like a risque interview, one that he did last year. And Tyler Sagan does it as well. And it's yeah. all tongue in cheek. But yeah. for an organization, Ross, here's my issue. It, I, I don't think that that interview played any role in it. But what I do remember is that their CEO last year, Jim Lights, lit into the two best players on the team publicly saying yes. it pissed them off that we're getting terrible play from these guys. And I don't know what's cons- I, look, I don't know what Montgomery did, but what I do knew know is that if they expect their employees to act with integrity and exhibit professional behavior while working and representing the organization, Jim Lights should have been shown the door then too. But this well, year's different than last. Well, again, there's the the parameters are so broad there that we don't even know what we're really what they're even talking about. Yeah. Like it's just a it's a boilerplate statement. It, that's what it is. And so, you know, you could say that about anything in life, and then it's up to the people who work there to determine if you've gone over the line or not because it's not spelled out. Like it may be spelled out when a contract is signed with the Dallas Stars. We don't know. But it's not spelled out when you just say it like that into the ether. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. And now the speculation is the story. You know, was he the other guy in the grassy knoll at this point? You know what I mean? Right. Pardon the pun for Dallas and everything, but still. um, Yeah. But but now this has become the story. And with the great reporting that you get from such great reporters around this league, guys like Elliot Friedman and Bob McKenzie and Darren Dreger, it will come out. It's just a matter of when it comes out. And now because uh, Jim Nill did not put it out and it will come out from a secondary source, they lose even more control of it. I thought it was handled very poorly on his behalf. And maybe they could have waited and and gotten their ducks in a row before they, they did something. I don't know. Well, no, I think they did. I think they were waiting for clearance to fire him because— Because they mentioned counsel, yeah. Yeah, because if Bettman—right, they mentioned counsel, and if Bettman already knew about it, clearly— you know, this had been brewing for a while because, again, he did morning. Why would you have a guy do a morning briefing 
when you know you're going to fire him? The answer is because you didn't know you were going to fire him that day. Yeah. Boy, it really reeks, doesn't it? And yeah, I mean, and, and, I mean, Russ, when you look at the situation this year so far, okay, so this kind of the dominoes started to fall, and maybe one doesn't really affect the other, but I think one does affect a lot of the others. The first domino to fall was Don Cherry, right? For the for the racially insensitive comments he made on Hockey Night in Canada. Yes. But then Mike Babcock got fired, and that woke yep. up a lot of sleeping dogs, guys yep. like Mike Commodore and other guys very vocal, and Akima Lou comes yep. out, and then that ends up costing Bill Peters. So if Mike Babcock has a better start to this season, there's a lot of these guys I'm thinking that they're probably still employed. Is it, would that be a correct assumption? No, I don't think so. I, I think I think just like the time's up thing was happening, I, I think their time was up. I, I just think it, it just hit the NHL at this time. I don't think it necessarily hit because Babcock was on a – on a losing streak and the team wasn't doing well. I don't think that was it. But do you don't, you don't think that if Babcock was still employed, that Bill Peters would still be employed. I think at some point this all would have broke. Maybe yeah, I it would too. have taken, I yep. think it might've taken a little longer. I think all the Babcock thing did was speed it up, but I think everything was sort of like getting in place behind the scenes that we didn't know about anyhow. So yeah. I think, you know, it could have just been even more abrupt in another couple of weeks fast forwarded if it didn't happen then. You know, I just think it was going to happen. Yeah, this has been a pot of water that's been boiling for a very long time, decades. Yes. And yes. it finally now has boiled over. Right. And and look, I don't know boy, what the NHL looks like going forward and the coaching profession and maybe even the desire for players once they retire or others to go into that profession. It's very difficult to motivate millionaires sometimes. And you've got to look, it, it can't be a democracy all the time because no. if you give the players an inch, they take a foot. If you give them a foot, they take a yard. You give them a yard, but, they take a mile. But right. The problem, but the pro right. But the problem is when you pay two or three guys, the bulk of the cap, in essence, they do run the team. Yep. If they don't love something and they, aren't playing to their ability, you're going to have a problem. As a coach, you're going to have a hard time getting past that. But as far as the coaching profession, like we had seen other issues in the coaching profession over the years, Bobby Knight, you know, we can go back to Woody Hayes. We can go back to, there have been those things. Now, what I still get messaging about is coaching on the lower level, like your kids, like if your kids go to play hockey, that kind of stuff. There's, mm -hmm. So the coaching profession as a whole still needs to get cleaned up. It does. No, oh, no question about it. And, you know, playing at different levels, just growing up for myself, I had the guys that were, you know, they were the friendly coach or you had guys that were just MF in everybody all the time right. and terrorizing right. you. But, you know, some people respond to that type of coaching and it makes them better players. You know, I heard Chris Chelios talking about on Spitting Chicklets talking about Keenan and talking about Babcock and yeah, you know, ba Babcock was all ego driven. A lot of it probably is ego driven. Even, I mean, Keenan was certainly that way. Um, but, but the interesting thing is too, is, you know, you got these openings now and what I'm wondering is it, does a guy like Mike Babcock, a coach in the NHL again and B he's got hall of fame credentials. Does this affect that in any way? Yep. It definitely does. I, I think it will slow down 
his Hall of Fame credentials, and I think it will slow down him getting a job again in the NHL. I don't think he'll get one next year. I believe it'll slow down that. I don't believe that it should slow down the Hall of Fame thing. Because isn't don't we always use the thing, well, the only thing that matters is the results. Okay. It's a results-oriented business. No, no. Now, you can't Me, terrorize I'll, people and you can't do those things. I get it. But hold on, hold on, his hold results on. are pretty astounding. Media say that and fans say that. The voters say something else. Mm-hmm. And, I got, and I got confirmation on that the other day when talking with a, a voter for the Baseball Hall of Fame when I asked two voters, how the hell is Jeff Kent not in there because he's like top 10 in everything for second baseman? And I know he's a world-class jerk, right? Like, I'm a Met fan. I, I saw it, and then he got traded, and he was even a bigger jerk. I saw it. But the numbers are the numbers. Like, one said he didn't know, and then one said I didn't vote for him because he's a jerk. And so how did Dino Cicerelli not get into the Hockey Hall of Fame for all those years? Because yeah. he had an incident. Yeah, he was, was a scumbag. In- no, but it wasn't even that. It was like there was an embarrassing incident, too, that he yeah. had. And so things like that definitely will slow it down. Is it fair? No, but, you know, because everybody wants to go back and say, well, Babe Ruth and Ty Cobb weren't good guys, but that's fine. That was then. This is now. And so, yes, it will affect it. Will it affect Mm. it forever? No. It'll affect it for a short time. And when they feel like it sort of has died down, whatever, it's run its course, then maybe those things will happen. You know, he'll get those chances again and get in the Hall of Fame, you know, probably 10 years from now instead of five years from now, if he doesn't coach again, as an example. Yeah. Okay. Now, one of the amazing things about this story too, like I can't get enough of this. Like I, I hate that it's happening, but it absolutely had to happen. Yes. The one thing that's amazing and the guy who many people would assume would be in the middle of this firestorm is John Tortorella. Now, um, Torts has changed. He has. And he, you know, when he went to Vancouver for that one season, he knew he had to reflect on that and make changes to the way he handles people, reporters or anything. And John Davidson out in Columbus took a chance on him. And it, and it yes. was and I've always liked Torts. I think he's good for the game. Um, but can some of these coaches change? Can Bill Peters ever overcome the fact that he used a racial slur? To an African-American player? Uh, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really hard. I think with Tortorella, the situation there is we know everything about John Tortorella. And players he's transparent. Will, yeah. He's transparent. Players will defend him for the most part, too. I have a love-hate with him because I feel the same way you do. I do feel he's good for the game. I laugh at some of the ridiculous stuff. I hate some of the other stuff, like what he was doing with Marion Gabrick and and players like that. But at the end of the day, he's very transparent. Like you pretty much know everything John Tortorella is and has done. That's the and thing about Tortorella. And he's consistent. Torts. Yep. And he, yeah, and he is consistent. Like yeah. I'll go back to the 2004 Stanley Cup. I was there in Tampa. They win. We're all looking to to talk to Torts, and he's in his office. And we're like, hey, can we talk to you? And he shuts the door to his office. <laughs> <laughs> Where, conversely, a couple of years later, Carolina wins, right? Who's the coach for Carolina? At the, What, at that time? In 06, yeah, when they won. Uh, Peter LaViolette. Peter LaViolette. 
he comes out of the office and he's talking to everybody. So that's just the difference in personalities there. But we know everything about Torts. We see and hear the behind the scenes stuff. So I, I don't think there's anything with Torts. I know that's the common prevailing thought. I don't believe it. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is he caught a lot of crap a couple of years ago when he was asked about players, the Colin Kaepernick thing, and standing for the anthem. Yes. And I, and I thought it was really disingenuous what ESPN did because they asked him, they knew what his answer would be. His son's an of army course. ranger, right? Yeah. And he said, if you sit for that anthem, you'll sit for the rest of the game. And right. and he caught a lot of crap for that. And I thought it was really disingenuous. I thought it was a setup job on John. It was Tortorella a setup because they knew what they would. They knew we would get a good soundbite. But of course, Torts isn't going to back down either. Like, we know that, too. Would you like to cover a guy like Torts? Yes, and I have. And I was, so twice in the history of Torts, two of the biggest things I was there for. One was in Philly, where Larry Brooks is standing next to me, and we're all in the scrum. John Tortorella's there, and they're talking about him being the bully at the bus stop. Like, Larry Brooks talking about that, and he and Torts getting very heated. Now, before that... I actually did cover Devils Tampa, and I was covering it for SiriusXM, and just missed the Torts scrum for that. And that was apparently the first sparring match he had with um, Larry Brooks, because I saw him leaving in a huff, and I was like, wow, what did I miss? Because I was interviewing a player. And so I'd been around for some of his stuff. So yeah, it's fun to cover. As a media person, you like covering Torts. I like covering Torts. I like covering Ken Hitchcock. I like covering Elaine Vigneault. There are certain coaches you, you know. Um, LaViolette. LaViolette I like covering. There are certain coaches you want to show up for their for their post games, you know, and, and they were all one of them. They were yeah, like them. John Stevens was a guy. He was oh. one of the nicest guys in the world, but boy, was Awful. he as boring as they get. <laughs> Awful. Yeah, I just I just never found him inspirational. You know what yeah. I mean? And guys yeah. are different behind closed doors. I, I understand. But boy, was he boring in front of at the podium. Well, it, it's going to be interesting. I don't know where where this merry-go-round or this musical chairs when the music stops where everybody's going to be sitting, Russ. I don't know what's going to go down with this Mark Crawford situation. But I think there's still a lot of coaches right now that are sleeping on one ass cheek and wondering if they're next. It's possible. I will tell you, the other coach who I also would like to show up to press conferences was Pat Quinn. Um, back when sure. back when the Flyers were playing the uh, the Leafs in the playoffs, what was that? That was that 04 season? Yeah, right? Ty Domi. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Ty, yep. Domi and Roenick were going back and forth. Brian and, McCabe. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and Quinn was just fun to, to sit in on his press conferences because he held nothing back. Nothing. Yep. I love the I love those guys absolutely. All right, Russ, uh, let's get into uh, some other stuff and let's start with the Flyers because uh, we are based out of Philadelphia at least. Um, real quick, I, I sent you a photo. I was going through my Facebook memories, and they pop up when I log on to Facebook. And on December 11, 2014, on this day five years ago, I was sitting down for a post-game interview after a 4-1 win with Ray Emery. Yeah. And it just gone too soon, tragic, and, you know, drowned in that very bizarre situation. I think it was up in Ottawa. Yeah. And, yeah, because he was from that area. Yeah. And uh, just wanted to bring that up, that uh, rest in peace, the Razor. One of the, well, one of the I'll, really I'll, good guys, man. I'll give you a couple stories. So the one that I always heard out of Ottawa was that he had a very expensive sports car, like maybe a Lamborghini or something, like in red. Mm-hmm. 
And he would like drive through like the drive through of McDonald's with that to show it off, which is kind of funny. That'll make <laughs> that makes you like giggle, you know, like so he you knew he was around. Right. Like it was like that was like when people do that in Hollywood with like, you know, they go to the drive through in like a limo. Right. So same kind yeah. of thing. But also like his last year that he was with the Flyers, boy, he was kind of worldly. Like we would all talk to him and, and he would have all this wisdom and knowledge. The early young Ray Emery wanted to box everybody because he's a former boxer. He wanted to beat the crap out of anybody. So he had yeah. that young, young angst, too. So we watched him sort of grow up. We did. Yeah, and he was uh, – I think he was either – was he – I think he was engaged to a, a woman named Keisha Shante. She was like a big Canadian um, – I don't know if she worked for like the BET or like, like the Black Entertainment Television of Canada, but – um, she was always around when he was here too. And both of them were a pleasure to deal with. Yeah. And we often find out that the guys that are like the tough guys on the ice are always the most fun guys off the ice for some reason. Yeah. I, there's no question. I mean, there's so many of them and, but look, like these are the guys, they know what their job is. They do their job, but off the ice. Yeah. They're great guys. All right. Well, um, we're going to get although, into that. Although I'll tell you this, a former NHLPR man who, um, I knew very well. One time I, I said to him, I said, you know, I just interviewed Dave Schultz and and he's he's nice. And look, I knew I, I watched Dave Schultz as a kid, as a Ranger fan. Right. I hated the player. Uh, I said, but he's really nice. And the guy goes, yeah, he's a regular effing choir boy, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> That's great stuff. Um, we're going to do uh, Bettman's four point plan coming up, but let's get to uh, some flyer stuff here. Um, and, and we'll get to the fact that there's no World Cup of Hockey coming next February either. But um, when you look at what the Flyers have done and where they are right now, uh, their schedule lightens a bit this week. They're back in action tonight to take on Colorado. As you look at the standings, they're still holding that third spot here in the Metropolitan Division. Tied in points, however, with Carolina, who's played one more game, 17-18-5. and five. But some injuries have now kind of uh, crept in on the Flyers, and they're big ones. Um, first, the Borowiecki hit on Travis Konechny. What did you think of the hit, and how can they survive this period without TK? It was completely dirty. I, I, I said it the minute I saw it. I saw so many replays after. There's no reason he had to hit him that way. You knew he was instantly concussed. I don't think there was any question about it. Yeah. And he already had a goal in that game. So if you're telling me Borowiecki wasn't lining him up because he was causing a problem against his team, then I would disagree with that. Totally agree with you. Um, by the way, I had a nice cash on that. I had Konechny to score the first goal of the game, plus 1,300. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I'd hit one the week before on a, on a 1,400 one with Voracek because they put him with Couturier. That's unbelievable. And, the fact that you would bet on Jake Voracek, yep. I, I, I couldn't do it. Well, Because I think that you could score on Couturier's wing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> but the goal that he actually scored, too, Russ, he didn't even shoot the puck. The puck... It went hit off somebody. The goalie, and then he just tapped it. It was going to cross the line anyway. And I'm like, dude, cash, no problem. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like the hit either. Um, so they're going to be without uh, Travis Konechny and definitely didn't make the trip. Um, anytime you're dealing with this head stuff, it's very scary for obvious reasons. We've seen it yes. up close. We've seen it around the league. Um, can they survive this period of time without Travis Konechny? They made a move today calling up. Was it Taylor Case got called up today? David Kasha, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. And he look, he's got speed. He's got a lot of skill. I don't know if he'll put it together at the NHL level, but it's nice to see him finally get a chance. 
I, I still think Aubrey Cabell deserves a chance, but that's fine. I think Kashi's been around a while. So this is this is his one and you know, he's he's gonna get his one chance here. I I kind of think JVR is kind of like A A B has just sent him to his room as a punishment because now he's on a line with Stewart and I think Barobiev on the yes, fourth he line. Is. Yeah. And meanwhile, Pitlick will be on the top line. Right. Like, this is punishment, man. I mean, no offense to the other guys, but I'm not sure JVR had envisioned this when he signed the deal with Philly. But to, you know, A.V.'s point, he's not playing well. Yep. He's got to, he's got to play his way out of it. You know, the odd thing is that he's been decent defensively. Yes. But, but he's he, just not finished. You didn't sign him. You didn't no. sign JVR to be defensively responsible. Now, Mike he's Babcock, not Mark Stone. <laughs> no, he's not Mark Stone. Mike Babcock wanted him to be more defensively responsible, and he probably wasn't for him, but he has been for AV. But, yes, you, you've signed him for goals, period. Yep, and, and he's getting opportunities, but he's just not finishing. And that's, that's the part where you, you got to think at some point that turns around because he's done it his whole career. He's been a finisher. Yeah. So, um, now, the Farabee thing is, is interesting because of the um, wisdom teeth. Because I, I want to say it's almost 20 years ago, uh, I was at the dentist, and they were like, you know, your wisdom teeth are right at the surface. You should definitely get these out because if they, they come through the surface, they break the bursa sac, you can get very sick, and you don't want to do that, so let us take out your wisdom teeth. And at that point, and still, the one thing that I'm most proud of in life is I have no cavities, and so I've never had anything done, root canal, nothing. So I was just like, you know what, doc, the minute they hurt, I will come rushing back, and you can take them out. And that was 20-something years ago, and they, they're still there, man. No, you still got your wisdom. I do. <laughs> I still have but, my wisdom, and I didn't fall for that used car salesman of a dentist, which most of them are. Anyhow, go ahead. Yeah, but I, I, I was kind of perplexed by that, too, going, like, why does he need them out now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this right. can't wait till they're, like, their bye week or the all-star break. Like, we got to do this. It had now. to be hurting them. It had to be hurting them. Yeah, it must have been. So Yeah. Um, and – so he gets the wisdom teeth out, but um, they're, they're going to have to survive without, uh, without obviously Travis Konechny, and, and we'll see if they're able to do that. Nolan Patrick um, has spoken, and um, I don't know how close he is to returning. He did say he thought he would play this year. He did make a trip with the team and flew. Now, am I reading too much into the fact that he got on an airplane? Uh, I read it. I don't know if it's true. I'll wait and see to see if you know, we see him on the other side when the Flyers land. But that's what's been floating around Twitter. I don't have any real proof of it. Yeah, I don't I don't think that um, he's going to play, but he has made a couple of trips with the team. And just the fact that yeah, when you're dealing with migraines, dealing with the pressure, the air pressure changes on a flight. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. Um, no, I mean, you're not. Technically, you're not supposed to travel like that. But if he's feeling good, this could be a way of testing him. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this: Is it, it? This is both for the Flyers and the NHL. The the roster freeze comes what on the nineteenth, something like that. So that's eight days from now for just for the holiday, the holiday roster freeze. Is it time to start making some moves both in Philadelphia and around the league? I think some teams really want to. So I, I believe, and if you looked at all the action in the Flyers press box, I think there's proof that there's probably. Four or five teams like Buffalo really wants to. I think Arizona might. I think Philly does. You know, I think there's four or five teams that really want to. It's just a matter of will something actually happen. 
I mean, yeah, the Devils got to be a team that's ready to unload a few guys, whether that's Green or yeah, obviously Taylor Hall. I mean, we did see Chandler Stevenson get traded, right? I mean, we have to count that. Do we? Well, <laughs> listen, <laughs> we do. It was a trade, but I think yeah, I'm talking like legit that. moves, though. No, yeah, Taylor Hall, yeah. I think, is going to happen before that. I really feel like watching his play, uh, watching his really not great, not 100% Taylor Hall play, I think they want him out of there. Yeah, he's, he's uninspired right now. Yes. And So you think that happens before the freeze at, on the 19th? I do. I do. Wow. Okay, where, where's the possibilities? I've, Colorado's one that uh, has been much talked about. Uh, Montreal is another. Colorado, Montreal. I kind of wonder now if Calgary heats back up now that they're playing well. Do they think that now, because they, you know, had this group playing better with a new coach, could this be the piece? And so I think Calgary gets back in it. Uh, Edmonton? Montreal, I don't think Edmonton. I know there's been talk. I I don't think it's going to happen. I would be shocked if it does. But, again, sports is weird. Anything can happen. Okay, so as we sit here, you know, we're more than a third of the way through the season at this point, right? Yeah. You know, most teams have played over 30 games of an 82-game schedule. It, it, for the Flyers in particular, it, is this a situation where it's maybe worth it for them to push the envelope a little bit here to take their roster to the next level? Or, and what areas would you do that with, A? And B... Do you have to kind of wait to see what the situation is with Nolan Patrick before you do? Because when Patrick does come back, you got some, you've got a lot of bodies. You got a lot of centers. You know, I you're going to have Couturier you... and mm-hmm. you're going to have Hayes. You're going to have uh, Lawton and Patrick. I mean, how does this, you know, Frost <laughs> is a center right now. How do you handle the situation? Right. So, all right, let's we'll start with Frost because you brought him up. I think he's played okay. He's definitely had some turnovers. He's shown some issues where strength is still an issue. He's getting knocked down a bit. If he plays center, you still have to have Claude Giroux taking faceoffs. They need to get Giroux off center and not taking faceoffs. That's unless he's on a PK situation or yes, key draw. Yeah. Correct. Well, he is he is number one in the league in faceoffs. I know, I know, and and so for those kinds of things, it's fine. But otherwise, it's killing his point production, and they really need that point production back because even though they have talented offensive players, this isn't like a stacked offensive team. It's not. So Frost going back wouldn't shock me at some point, but right now while they're battling through injuries, probably not going to happen. Look, Faraby plays great two-way play. I get it. At the end of the year, if he ends up with 30 points, was it worth it that he played in his NHL rookie season? With the Flyers, I mean, I don't know. I I, don't... I I think it is. I think to cut his teeth that young okay. only accelerates what he can be. It sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But I think Faraby or Frost, one of them's probably got to go back because they're not getting enough points. And I think at the end of the day, they're going to need to get points from the bottom six as well. And I'm sure JVR will get hot at some point. But you have to admit, with these two kids in the lineup, if you went and made a trade, you could add more proven point produ- production. Yeah, more of a guarantee, no question about it. Um, and so if I could at least do it on one of those spots and free up Giroux, then I'm increasing points throughout the entire lineup. And I think that's what you have to look at. I don't think they could worry about when Nolan Patrick's going to be back because there's a chance he won't. 
And so I don't think you can worry about it. I don't think there's any holdup about it. I don't even think AV thinks about it other than he likes the kid and he said so. And that's it. Like, that's it. I don't think in the daily, I don't think he's in the team's daily thoughts when they're can't in the locker room. Yeah. No, you can't. Yeah, if you're away, you can't be. And, and did, did knowing the migraine issue was cropping back up for Nolan Patrick. And he, I know he had it when he was younger, like when he was about 12 years old and then it went away and didn't return until now. But knowing that in the off season, did that perhaps make them a little bit more aggressive on Kevin Hayes? Yeah, I think so. Because they saw the writing on the wall, like, uh Oh, how are we going to start this season? What's it going to look like down the middle? So no, I, I think it definitely did. And I think that led to the overpayment that some people thought it was and all that. Uh, Looking also on the blue line, I still think Robert Hag's primed to get traded. Now, they're playing him a bit more right now than Myers, but only because I think Myers, they're trying to teach him some things. I know his plus minus is better than every rookie, but I think he's been fortunate with that. But A.V. knows there's some things that he has to learn to do, and I think he can. And so I think right now, I think they're showcasing Hag. I, I really do. And I think that's a chip to trade because there are teams like Arizona and other teams like that that are injured on the blue line that really could use a player like that. So I think yeah, there could yeah. be your currency of a two-player deal or maybe a four-player deal to get more scoring because at the end of the day, you have to agree, the Flyers don't have enough scoring. No, no, they need more. Absolutely. I mean, they're doing a great job so far this year keeping the puck out of their net. They're fifth in the NHL, by the way, in goals allowed. Yeah. Which is a far cry from where they were last year. I mean, you look at um, – they're seventh in the NHL in in safe uh, or in goals against average, um, save percentage. They're up there in the top six or seven. They've only allowed so far this season eighty goals. Fifth in the NHL. Only the only teams that have let up less goals than them are the Islanders. Obviously, that's Barry Trotz. Uh, the Boston Bruins, the Dallas Stars, another defensive system with Jim Montgomery. And by the way, the, the interesting thing about the Dallas Stars and New York Islanders. Two years ago, not last season, but the season prior under different head coaches, before Dave Montgomery in Dallas and before Barry Trotz in New York, they those two teams respectively, Dallas 30th, the Islanders 31st in the NHL in goals allowed. They yeah. gave up the most each. And then last year, the least amount of goals allowed, the New York Islanders, and number two was the Dallas Stars. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's yeah. crazy to think about how a defensive system can change so much and make what you thought was, you know, subpar goaltending just fine because the goaltenders in those markets really haven't changed. Yeah. Now, if I look at these at the Flyers, if, if they stay on the path they're on, like 27 goals might lead the team in scoring, which is crazy. And yeah. then the other thing is they might have like four or five with like, you know, 15, 17, 20, 23 goals. But it's great when you had they had the team once that had like four or five guys with 20 goals. That's significant. They're not going to have that this year with the guys they have. That's yeah. not going to happen. Especially if Konechny, uh, you know, is injured now. period of time. Yeah, that affects yeah. a lot of guys. It, it just slots your lineup far different. So Yeah, he uh, makes players better. That's The Konechny thing, it was a great signing. I, I wrote about him recently on Sportsology. People could read about it. But at the end of the day, Ottawa, you know, Borieski knew – he was driving that team in that game. The minute he came out of that game, that was all of a sudden a close game, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, one of the things that's interesting, too, and you bring up, like, you know, guys getting a lot of goals, and, and Giroux's never been a goal scorer. He's got nine on the year, 12 assists, 21 points. 
But the one thing that Giroux does have this year, and, and one of this is my Giroux rant of the week, by the way. We should get this sponsored. Um, <laughs> um, but the one thing that's always, oh, if you cite like his numbers over the last decade, well, they're empty stats, they're secondary assists, or he eats on the power play. Um, he leads the team, by the way, with four game-winning goals. Yeah. So, like, at, at just about 32 years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, and by the way, for the analytics people out there, I've spoken to former players, and none of them believe secondary assists should be discounted or, well, you know, written about, like, well, he had the primary assist on that play. Like, a lot of things set up plays. And just because you had the primary assist and somebody had a secondary assist, over time, to look at someone's secondary assist and just sort of discount it is wrong to do. I totally agree. A lot of times, the secondary assist is what causes the goal. Correct. <laughs> it's the initial setup of the play where yes. everything else falls into place. But it's it oftentimes set, it, where the cross-ice pass happens. Right. It just set it up further down the ice, and you see the, 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 the guy with the primary making that last pass. Yeah, I yep. agree. I mean, but look. You could say Giroux's not a goal scorer. He did, you know, he did have a lot of goals in juniors. He did. Uh, that helped get him drafted by the Flyers. And he, you know, for the most part, he has averaged around 20-something goals. You know, this year, he is going to struggle to get 20-something goals if he stays at center. Yeah. If they can get him He's back on nine. the wing, he'll if score If they get him back on the wing, yeah, he'll get 23, 25 goals. I yep. just think towards the end of the season, they're going to need that. Yeah, totally agree with you. And it's amazing because all of last year, four game-winning goals for Giroux. Um, already has four this year in 30 games. And the year where he had 102 points, he had one game-winning goal. Yeah. And he had 34 he goals that year. He also didn't have the same talent around him. No question about it. You're absolutely right. Um, all right, so th- that's the Flyers' uh, portion of the podcast. Let's get to Gary Bettman's four-point plan, four-point initiative. What did you think of what the commissioner had to say? And, you know, with the with the anonymous, if you will, tip line going forward and, and, and all the different parameters that he set forth, I believe that was on Monday or Sunday. Yeah, I posted it on on Sportsology because I had gotten it in an email and I was at, impressed at least that they're trying to get ahead of it. And, and a lot of it was at least not in lawyer speak, like when he said we don't like surprises, the Bill Peters situation was a complete surprise. I appreciate the candor, at least, from him on that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times when you get these things, it, they've been washed through like 20 lawyers, and, and you don't get that. So I thought, like, that sort of spoke to me right away, like said, all right, look, that's something good. Now, they tried to talk about inclusion and conduct and diversity, and all of that's great. He also knows that that's only going to show itself by practicing that. So maybe this email does help that, you know, the, the club personnel stuff, the inappropriate conduct, you know, he's just putting the teams on notice because that's not, he can't do anything about that, but the teams can, because there's too many teams for him to, to monitor all the time, right? The teams have to do that. So he's basically telling the teams, you've got to do a better job. Yeah. And I think, and I think that is what leads to, other coaching changes down the line, maybe not abrupt firings, but slight changes because they, you know, they all have meetings and say, all right, look, this isn't going to fly anymore. I think we're going to see some of that. I do. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he's also right about what he says. 
the passage of time, the most effective way to address these situations accordingly will we'll, we will create a platform, perhaps a hotline. That's great. That's a great start. And maybe somebody will be dedicated to keeping an eye on that. I know the the skeptics will say, well, you know, we told the PA before and nothing happened. Like, remember, <coughs> excuse me, the, the PA came out at one point and told either Carcillo or Kimalu or whatever, you can come to us. And then a lot of people tweeted, well, like we did, nothing happened. Yeah. So well, now yeah. this is the league kind of addressing that. And I think that's good. Yeah, they're they're setting a very strict, high standard for this, and th- based on what Bettman said, you got to believe that there's follow through th- this time because if something comes out that wasn't followed through on, the trickle down effect, everybody's scared now that if they get told something and they don't yeah. act on it, then yeah. there's going to be real real problems. Yeah, and you're going to find all, yourself in a firestorm. He, he put them all on notice. And and I think that's the right thing to do because it affects the product long term. And I yep. think that's what he's looking at because he's smart enough to know other stuff's going to pop up now after this. Now yeah, no question. This. Yeah. Um, and we got we got some what you would deem as interim coaches right now kind of running things. Jeff Ward out in Calgary. Yeah. We'll see if uh, if he's a guy that may be long for the job. Then obviously uh, Rick Bonus, who's big God, he's been a, a coach forever. Um, I think he's an interim interim. Like, I think they're looking now. You think they're looking already? Yeah. Boy, what a tough situation to be looking at. Well, because it's such a good team. It, it's such a good team. It's like, no offense to bonus, but I think they really do need to get somebody in there and solidified so they know going forward, hey, let's make a run here. Because they, you know, they're they're in a good spot right now, and they played great last night. So, yeah. I mean, again, they played the Devils, but still. Yeah, well, well there's a whole mess right there with the Devils. Boy, they're, they... I think a lot of people overvalued them. I don't think that you and I overvalued them. I know I didn't. No, no but, I didn't. Um, and but again, I didn't think they'd be this and, bad. I didn't think yeah. they'd be a lottery team. I thought they'd at least be improved. I think people were fooled by what they thought Wayne Simmons might be. That's fine. I think we were all fooled by P.K. Subban. That's fine. I'm not fooled by the ups and downs of Jack Hughes. Like, that happens to a lot of rookies. So, sure. I mean, you know, Capoqueco, who some people said, well, I'll take him over Jack Hughes every day of the week. He's having the same problem. So, you know. None of that should be a surprise, but the Subban part really, really killed him because he's given him nothing. Um, a couple of things around the lead too. We're gonna get some Twitter questions coming up as well, but um, yeah, doing quick. I'm running low, running low okay. on time. All right, World Cup uh, in 2021 has been shelved, so the All Star Game. Elliot Friedman saying could be a three on three mini World Cup or Ryder Cup format. Do you like it? Yes, but the problem is you need to keep these things consistent. So fans know what time of the year it's going to be. And I like it better in September when it's going to be. And I can look forward to it. And now since there's not one next year, am I going to remember in three years that there is one? How much time do you got, by the way? Five minutes. Okay. Let me just get to the questions then. Let me yeah. go here. All right. Twitter questions, Russ. Uh, Drew 4 for 4. Drew Moffat on Twitter says, with Ghost playing better offensively recently, does that make him more likely to stick around or have more teams interested? Can I say D all of the above? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's D. I, th- I think you're right. I, I think they're still listening, and his value could be going up a little bit. Yep. And more teams may be interested, but they may want to have him stick around a little bit as well. He's still, I, I think it's all that. He still has confidence issues. I think he needs a change. I really do. All right. Even though you answered this one on Twitter, I'm going to ask you to answer it here. <laughs> 
Uh, Stagger Lee tweeted and says, if you were the king of the NHL, what following change would you make? You only get one, and you don't have to worry about the repercussions, player salaries, cost of stadiums, and all that stuff. And, of course, you responded and said, I'm already the king, but what's your response to the question? Can you read the – I lost my track. After you said you just said king. if you were the king and you answered it and you went no further, did you? No, no, no. That's true on Twitter. Well, when you just said it now, it, it distracted me. Can you repeat the choices again? Well, you only get one, but you, and you you only one change to the NHL. You just don't have to worry about any of the repercussions. Like you right. can lessen the schedule, right? Okay. Expand the playoffs. You can change the playoff format, whatever you want. I'll change the playoff format. Okay. Yeah, I don't like you it. One to sixteen, or uh, one to eight. One to eight. Okay, I'm, I'll yeah. go one to eight. One to sixteen can be way too insane. It, yes. you could have it work out where a team is going by coastal for four series in a row. <laughs> and, <laughs> you years, I mean? and years ago, like there was a crossover, and we had some weird loopy results when I was like in my teens with that. Remember that? So yeah, one to eight's good. Yeah, like uh, the Flyers playing the the Islanders in the final. Yeah, <laughs> very bizarre. Um, okay, so Mike tweets in and says everyone's calling for fights in the next game between Ottawa and the Flyers. We talked about the hit on Konechny. Right. But wouldn't it be just better to win the game and not risk injury to one of your players? And I've got a lot of inquiries about this fighting thing and they, okay, somebody's so got to pay. It's a different league now. It's a different league, but when a hit like that occurs and a team is like, listen, if you're not going to take care of this problem via refereeing, then we're going to have to take care of this problem. They're always going to put that first and winning secondary because they're wanting to send that message that you can't do this to us. So it's hard for, you know, it's good for the long run. Yeah. It's good for the long run. It's easy for the fan to say, well, you shouldn't do it, but when you're a member of a team and this happens, you have to do it. Yeah. You have to stand up for the guys in your, on your roster. Um, two more real quick. Eric Bowman says, well, Pasternak hit 50 goals in 50 games. Now Gretzky did 50 goals in 39 games and he had a five spot against the flyers and the empty netter to did it. But Fossey, Fossey hit 50 for 50. And he did as well, yeah. 50 in 50, right. He didn't do the 39. I think Pasternak's going to do it. Yeah, I do. Boy, he is unbelievable, man. What a scorer he is, and he's on the he's perfect great. line. So um, well, the last question for episode 62 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Our buddy, king of the NHL, TD Sports Betting. Love this guy. He says, who's your Stanley Cup final as of today? And who's coaching now? <laughs> but who's the final yeah. for you, Russ? I mean, it's easy. I'll give you the one I gave everybody preseason. It's Washington, Colorado. Mm, okay. You're going to go Washington, Colorado. Yeah. You're not going Bruins, huh? Nope. Okay. I'm going to go with your Washington, but I'm going to go Washington, St. Louis. St. Louis I'm will be so close. impressed with that team. If they get Taylor Hall, and they've been mentioned. Yeah. Um, they, I could see it happen. If they get Taylor Hall, that could be massive. Although... I'm still not why, sure why they pulled Bennington, put Jake Allen in yesterday, but that's a whole other show. Yeah, and that'll be one for another time. And I know Russ- you wanted to mention one last thing because I have one more minute. For that one more minute, what Joe Thornton did with Morozik was wrong. Now, Morozik swung his stick. I get it. And I saw that um, Brian May had mentioned on Twitter, the minute a goalie swings a stick like that, you could expect repercussions. Sure, but I don't think you could expect to get punched in the throat. And I know people, I I think people thought Morozik was playing or like overdoing it and was like, you know, did it dive? He didn't. No, he just got suckered and it collapsed him. 
It yeah. didn't knock them out, but it just takes you no. off your balance really easily, especially in all that equipment. He, here's – I had two issues with it. First of all, Thornton came in there and didn't just poke. He went in hard on the glove. And a goalie can get hurt. He can hurt his hand that way. And if a goalie hurts his hand and his glove hand, that's a real problem, number one. Number two, he, he slashed him, Morozik did, in an area he knew was padded, his shin right. pads. Goalies will do that all the time. We know it doesn't hurt the other player unless you get him in the back of the leg or in the ankle bone or one of those nerves behind the knee. You know where you're slashing. He slashed the shin pad. Um, and if the retaliation should have came from um, a, a guy like Joe Thornton as a slash to his pad, you know what right. I mean? Yes. Not a punch, but nobody jumped in. No. Is that respect for Joe Thornton? Maybe. But I don't like the fact that nobody on that team jumped in and did something to Joe Thornton. I would have jumped in, out. and I would have pulled a few few of his beard hairs out. Awesome Kadri style. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it, it, the, the, the rules of this game are changing. You have to fight now if you lay out a big, clean hit. <laughs> but you don't have to fight when a guy knocks down your goalie. And yeah, as a member of the goalie union, it pisses me off. I get it. I do. Russ, episode 62 is in the books. Enjoy your hockey, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on the Stick to Hockey Podcast. Yeah!